We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Hello, and welcome to issue 604 of Geek in the City Radio. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I am one of your other hosts, Bina Rita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani. How's it going, everybody? You said it weird, and it threw me off. Oh. Who? Who said Aaron. what? No, Aaron. Aaron, he said it slightly differently. I think you normally just say, I am your host, Aaron Duran, and then I say, I'm... Your other host. What did I say? I am one of your hosts. No, I think I always say I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm going to have to check back, but it felt weird. Check the digital tape. I think why it might have felt weird is because as I was saying, why, hello, in my brain, I was like, should I insert something witty about being gone? And then the other part of my brain said, no, stupid, just start the show like normal. <laughs> uh, it's it's always risky to call an audible. It's mm. true. Yeah. Besides that, how's everybody doing? <laughs> uh, wait. Did you just ask how everybody's doing? Yes. yes. Okay. Sorry. I Wow. I've been gone for two weeks. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Uh, I actually got some really cool news today that I cannot say while we're streaming. I will tell you guys when we're not streaming. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Classic Aaron. I have news. I have I news, talk about but it. I can't. I can't say it yet. Otherwise, it won't be. It, I can't news. No, that's fine. The less you can tell us about something publicly, the better I know the news is. So that is usually true. Yeah, that does track very much. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wasn't gone for two weeks, but I'm all discombobulated because Tuesdays are my Monday right now. Also, I'm working full time, and that's. My brain is tired. Right. Oh, so are you going to have Sunday Mondays off? It's only for now because I have a current Monday commitment and I haven't been replaced as a weekend driver yet. Oh, that's right. So it's, right, a, it's right, an interim right, right, right. situation. Right. That's right. I forgot about that part. Well, that's my cool. Last, my last class is this coming Monday. Okay. It was only a nice. six-week course only a three-hour tour 
A three-hour tour. Tour. I mean, the class is three hours each time. Yeah, it's a good class, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It goes by really quick. Same with like you get two hours of open studio time. Like there's like certain blocks of win- blocks of time throughout the week that you're allowed to go in and work on your own, and you get two hours of that every week also. So essentially, it's a it's five hours of learning and practice uh, every week for six weeks. Nice. That's cool. So I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with some of the stuff I've made. Nice. As you should be. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you all want pottery for Christmas. <laughs> I don't not want pottery. <laughs> I like pottery. I think in the I think within the realm of like handmade gifts versus like oh I bought this at a store, yeah. even if it's something like you know the other person's gonna like. I think I would like to think that pottery that one makes to gift to other people is maybe in the upper echelons of gifting it is i mean <clears throat> i it keep pretty much, so much equipment. <laughs> that's true i keep almost everything i've ever been given as a handmade gift until it unless it physically falls apart like, right. i don't get rid of those things but uh i just mean like in terms of like well it's less likely to fall apart you have to actually like break it it doesn't like wear out per se. That's true. Right. As an example. Plus all no. the equipment that's involved. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, so, yeah. Everyone's been busy then. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Cable, is the Forgotten Realm set drop last weekend or? That's this. It's next weekend. Next weekend oh, okay. is the pre-release. Um, I keep wondering if I want a box or not. You want a box, Cable? I can't get back into magic. <laughs> I'm not going to do it alone. So someone else has to join me. Wait, I like how Denise was like, "Ah, oh, it's going to be me." Uh, I'm. I'm I don't care about. Me. I don't care about magic anymore, and I'm interested in getting this set. Come on, Huck. You just get this cool looking. What? Yeah, because it's D and D. Come on. That's true. Come on, dog. And it does look pretty freaking righteous. It it's does. Key. Get a T Mac card. Yeah, like for me, that's part of it. Is like, oh, I I want to see if I can pull a T Mac because T Mac. Can you still just buy booster boxes? Yeah, you can still buy booster boxes. There's three different versions of booster boxes now. There's the regular draft booster box. Um, spoilers: This is going to sound like a an ad for Wizards product for Guardian <laughs> Games. That's fine. Um, They're a fine sponsor. They are a fine sponsor and a fine employer. Ding! Um, <laughs> but the there's Wizards has now changed it up. So there's the draft boxes, which everyone's familiar with. Um, then they've created something called set boosters, which okay. are somewhere in between the collector and the competitive player and the casual player. So they they have. Um, cards that are a little more geared for what you want to do. Okay. Um, uh, And then there's the collector booster. And those are the, if you're playing modern or you're just collecting (laughs) for resale value or completionism, those are the ones you want. But that starts becoming the difference between like the draft and set boosters usually are still like 
you know, four to five dollars a pack. Collector boosters, depending on speculation, go anywhere between ten to twenty dollars a pack. For like a whatever thirteen card pack or whatever. Yeah. Wow. And cl- like draft booster boxes are it's a box of thirty six boosters. Set booster boxes are thirty, and I think collector boosters are twelve. Wow. Why do the collector ones more? Are they, are they all foil or what's the, what do they do? Well, like they are just the higher end cards. The, it's, yes, also foil, but thing, it's largely for things that uh, people use in legacy and um, modern play. Mm-hmm. Like modern, modern uh, format is probably the biggest moneymaker for. Uh, stores that sell magic and for and now for wizards directly because they went oh everyone's making money off of our old stuff let's uh let's let's uh change this let's let's buy into this whole modern thing um, modern format is uh, you can play with cards um from Mirrodin forward oh that was Mirrodin's a long time ago right yes it was like long time ago yeah, versus um, like legacy, which is alpha forward, right? And com- yeah, both. Uh, that's also why commander has become so popular because commander is you only have to have one of each card, or you can only have one of any particular card, as opposed to the rule of four. Mm-hmm. And uh, commander format is very casual, but you it is also. The entirety of magic alpha right. forward um it just has different you have to have a legendary creature to play your commander mm-hmm. and the colors of your commander are the colors of your deck so if you have a blue oh, okay. white green uh legendary creature as your commander then your deck has to be blue white and green <clears throat> I haven't played Commander before, but I've talked to people. They're like, "That's their favorite way to play because it's, oh, yeah. it's just fun and it's yeah, yep. it's just designed to be um, super casual." Um, it used to be called Elder Dragon, Elder right. Dragon League. Cool. I am super curious about the set because it does look pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the the buy a box promo is Vorpal Sword. Oh, is that still running too? The promo? Yes, yes. I haven't looked at the numbers recently because I, we've changed how we've done them. So I'm not doing a daily audit of these sales, <laughs> which is great for my personal workload, but sits in the back of my head and makes me a little anxious about how any of this is getting fulfilled. But that's... I have to embrace some change. <laughs> <laughs> So that's fair. we'll see. I might check it out still. We'll see. Yep. Um, I know that I'm going to play in the employee pre-release so that I can at least get a tiny kit. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> I am. I'm pretty sure I'm maxed out on hobbies right now. So I'm going to continue. No magic to, for you. Continue to resist the urge. How about this? I have a suitcase. I have a briefcase full of commander decks we can just play commander and you can use any of my decks that way. Yeah, you see, don't have to collect everything. 
that's that's a thing. That's that's an option. I, I enjoy playing, but yeah, the commitment of like buying cards and building decks, especially because I I building my own decks came later and mm-hmm. and in a, in a short window of all of my magic experience. Right. Yeah. Are they still the- doing? Are they still doing theme pack themed built decks with this set? Um. They are. I think they're doing commanders. They're doing commander decks for this, and yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't remember what they are. I can probably look them up, but I don't want to. No, no, don't do that. Yeah, because it feels like work. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Okay, let's quit talking about your work then. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about magic. I just don't want to like. If I start looking at Wizards' website, then it becomes. Wait, am I doing work? Right. That's fair. Because every time I like see a bit of news that Wizards updates, I'm like. Well, crap, that's three hours of work tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, wizards. Oh, boy. Um, so on the show this week, we got what? We got a Bad Batch. We got some we got Loki, Loki shit that went down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, we got more and- Star Wars news with uh, Star Wars uh, Visions. Or oh, I haven't heard anything about this. Oh, it's... Either. It's uh, it's coming out. It's well, we'll get to it. Um, but I think actually, really quick before we get to the regular stuff on the show, I just want to uh, get give some thanks to the uh, the now late great Richard Donner, mm. um, who created some of the best American movies ever. And I don't mean like film. Like this is a guy who liked movies. Mm-hmm. You know what? He liked the idea of like you get your soda, you get your popcorn. And you're going to escape for two hours. Um, and Donner was one of those directors that you could kind of throw any genre at him and he could do it. You know? Um, he does have an eclectic uh, yeah. catalog. Of he's kind of that that journeyman or like kind of just he's the, the working director. Not to say he didn't have a vision, but like, you know, the, yeah. He could kind of do any genre, and he was very comfortable with it. Um, and, you know, everyone else has said this before, and some people are much more uh, well-spoken than I, but, you know, Donner's one of the people that let me help me to believe a man could fly. Um, mm-hmm. Him, Christopher Reeve, and that John Williams score, you know. To this day, if I hear that opening John Williams score to Superman, I'm going to fucking look up in the sky. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, in my imagination, because like, there he goes, he's flying overhead, you know, keep fighting for truth and justice. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a loss. I mean, he was, he was 91. That's a hell of a run. Yep. And a hell of a filmography. Um, but you know, still it's, it's sad to see him go, uh, but he's left an amazing, an amazing legacy that will be enjoyed for many, many decades to come for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Goonies is still a huge fan favorite. Then there's Lethal Weapon. Yep. The others that Matthew was rattling these off to me yesterday. I'm like, these are all Donner. What the hell? Yeah. Um, a lot. Maverick, (laughs) Maverick, which I, you know, Maverick has his fun points. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, for you know, without without question. Oh, Lady Hawk. Yes, that was one that I didn't know was Donner. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I like me, Lady Hawk. That's... Yeah, Lady Hawk. 
uh, Scrooged was his. Um, he shot, he directed the Cindy Lauper Goonies uh, uh, video. Nice. Um, the Toy, which is a movie you could never make now, but is still entertaining in its twisted ways. Man. Uh, yeah. A rich white man Jackie literally. Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. Yeah. Jackie that Gleason was... literally buys Richard Pryor's character so his son has a living toy to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, we did yeah. the omen. That's right. Yes. Omenos. He did the omen. He did the omen and then did Superman. <laughs> yeah, two years there's apart. Like, there's, a, there's a wide berth of genres in, mm-hmm. in this guy's oeuvre, for sure. Yeah, he did He did a lot of stuff. The Lost um, Boys. The Lost Boys and Free Willy. Mm-hmm. That's not him. He produced The Lost Boys and Free Willy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm the Lost Boys is Schumacher. Schumacher. Yeah. Okay, why is it on here then? Under production. Uh, Probably under. Should be he might have produced it. Producer credit? Yeah, no, maybe. I'm annoyed when they do that. I'm like, you've made a fool of me, Google. A fool. <laughs> Cuss you. Uh, his last official directed film was 16 Blocks, which I still maintain is the third best Die Hard movie ever made. It's good. It's what Bruce Willis plays a cop who has to get Moss Def to a basically like a trial, and they've oh. got to go. They've got to go sixteen blocks. Yeah, I remember that movie. I think no, no, because Moss Def plays uh, Ford Prefect, right? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm confusing okay. it. Maybe it's not Moss Def. Hold on. No, it totally is. No, I am doing that thing, that horrible thing where I have confused. No, he is in it. Never mind. Yeah, no, he, it, he's, he's totally just he's, his he's, name isn't most deaf. That's right. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. the credits, his his uh his credits. he stopped being most deaf years ago. I forgot. I think he was credited that in the original movie, and now yes, IMDb look- has changed it to his his name. Mm-hmm. I see. That's yeah, no, so I'm, I'm looking at the cover image of that movie, and it still it does say most deaf. Um, okay. but no, what I was gonna say is like, yeah, I think that's like one of the first movies I ever saw him in. But no, because he was in Hitchhiker's Guide, so. That's probably the first movie I ever saw him in. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got to take most F's character or Yasmin Bay um, sixteen blocks from from the jail to the trial, so he can so he can get on the stand. It's a good movie, and it's it, it's straight up it's a Die Hard movie that they just clearly couldn't get the rights to do Die Hard. Um. So yeah. So yeah, that's a, an amazing, an amazing filmography, and from all reports, a, a, a pretty nice guy. You know, he had his eccentricities, like all people do. Um, he was very, from what I had read, and if you watch his earlier his '80s films, you can see it. He was really big in the uh, anti-apartheid movement against uh, the South African government. Mm. Uh, he apparently donated a lot of movie money to it. And if you watch pretty much any of his 80s movies, like all the Lethal Weapons, Scrooged, you will see the Free South Africa poster everywhere in those movies. Hmm. And they're always right in the shot. Like, they're not off the side. They're, like, in the fucking shot. Hmm. So I believe that was one of his one of his things. So he, he will be missed, as they say. Uh, let's see. Well, before we talk about... Uh, the Bad Batch, I guess. Do you guys want to hear about the news that Disney dropped about Star Wars? Yeah. Yes. All right. So let me bring it up here. Uh, so yeah, Star Wars Visions. 
I remember them mentioning this um, a little while ago, and then I hadn't heard anything about it ever again. Um, so Star Wars Visions is Lucasfilm and Disney working with some of the most famous and prolific anime creators in Japan, and they're all getting to tell their own Star Wars story. That, yeah, okay. Yeah. I kept seeing the headline for that, but didn't read the article. Yeah. Huh. So there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are nine shorts that are coming out. Um, and they're just, it's like they're running the gamut of styles. Like you're going to have, you know, force focused one, robot focused one. They're all, you know, they're all different with each one having that kind of different, you know, each creator's different take on it and stuff. So it looks really cool. Did they give any Junji Ito? To who? Junji Ito. I do not see their name. Okay. That's but a couple of these things are the are the studios, not the oh. person. Gotcha. Um I watched the trailer today and I forgot one of the creators had said uh that he is it's a pleasure and an honor that Star Wars is going to be his last anime. It's apparently it's a man who's retiring. Oh, oh wow. So he gets to go out doing Star Wars. I'm sorry. I think I just learned a new word. Is mangaka the, the, the name for a person who creates manga? I do, I do Nobody? Know. I do not I don't know. know. I don't, I'm not familiar with Junji Ito, so I looked, I looked them up, and it says, you know, is a Japanese horror mangaka. And I'm like... I think I know what that means, but I've never heard that word before. Yeah, that's what it means. Oh. And this, <clears throat> and this is going to be his last? No, I'm no, sorry. I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm crossing what you guys said. Yep. Yeah, uh, when you watch the trailer, uh, you'll see that um, one of them, one of the creators says, uh, on the subtitles reads, like, you know, my final anime work is going to get to be Star Wars. And that's, he's like, and that couldn't make me happier. Um. It, it does look, it looks pretty amazing. Because, um, you know, the styles are all different. There's a shot that you see in one of them. I don't even know who's it's going to be. I just was captivated by this image. It's an X-Wing that is clearly, like, crashed in the desert or in some wilderness. And it's, you know, crashed nose first, so, like, its S-foils are open and stuff. And these two either kids or little robots, whatever, have basically built a lot of umbrellas and they just hang out under it as like their source of shade. It's just this image. I was like, that's really cool looking. Like it's just machine of war that is now is no longer capable of, you know, causing destruction or whatnot. And here's two people that have put some umbrellas to hang under it. And they're just chilling under this broken X wing. I'm like, yeah, that's a neat image. (laughs) That actually Um, gives me some battle angel vibes. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, one of them, they said that he just straight up wanted to do a samurai duel, but with Jedi. Um, and to, you see a close-up of the sabers. Like, some of the art, they show close-up of the sabers, and it's got the wrapping of the of the katana. Like, the, I forgot what the wrapping. The wrapping has a specific name. I forgot what it's called. Um, and you get a close-up of it, and it looks more like a, like a glowing katana blade than a lightsaber. Mm. It even has the, uh, what is it, the, the guard which also has a specific name. Either way, it looks cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty Suba. jazzed with that. Suba, that's what I was thinking of. I've watched enough Forge and Fire, I should remember the damn thing was called a Suba. Um, yeah, so we get that in September. Oh, wow, that's soon. That's soon. Yeah. 
It's very soon. Um, so yeah, some fun stuff. I'm on Wikipedia taking a look at the different directors, seeing if any names stand out to me. Yeah, I'm over at um, just StarWars.com, and they're listing the studios, but not the um, some of the creators. So, like, I recognize the studio of Science Saru. Um, yeah, looks pretty cool. <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's what got me going. That's what got me excited a little bit today. So that's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to watch this video later. Yeah, yeah, I know. I wish we could watch it now, but yeah, just not not gonna work for this one. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, Disney shuts that shit down. Toot sweet. Yep, not even a little. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Which again uh, is similar to that lesson of if you never if you want to make sure that your sex tape never gets out into the public, put Disney music on in the background. Yeah, that's well, biting us in the ass, though, though, because a shitty cop is playing Taylor Swift songs while they pull people over because that also gets cam footage yanked. No, I heard that that didn't, I heard that didn't work. Oh, okay. Well then good. Uh, yeah. I did hoist petard. Good. That guy. Um, (laughs) but I bet stripping to Disney music will still get your video. Yeah. No, no, this, that's what I was going to say is like, no, the only thing it guarantees is that your, the video won't stay on the internet. Mm. Um, it does not prevent it from going onto the internet and how many people see it before it gets pulled. Right. You know, assuming, just just a, just a warning for anyone who might seriously be considering a sex tape, but then also putting Disney music in it. Also, who cares? If you <laughs> put want to put a sex tape out there? Who the fuck cares? No, I'm just saying, if your goal is to make a sex tape, but you want to make sure it doesn't end up on the internet, don't true. use a cell phone. That's what you do. Oh, apparently I, we also don't use Audacity anymore. Yeah, I got to find a workaround on that. Although you can still go in and just turn off all the things they do. I sure. totally meant to ask you about that because I learned about it last night. Yeah, I was, like, I was like, I don't actually know if we're still using Audacity. We but are. I assume to, to edit and stuff. Yeah, uh, I haven't updated it in like two years because it still works fine for me. Mm. And you can also just go in... Because they finally went up and said, well, no, you can just turn all that off. But they should have said that first before the story came out. Yes, mm-hmm. they should. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I will probably still use it just because it's here and I don't feel like dealing with anything else right now. Um, I just turn off all those settings. It's it's fine. I mean, sometimes that's the best that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean. They already know everything about us. The best we can do is mitigate the exposure, you know? So, because again, if you don't pay for something, you are the product. Hmm? Yep. Yeah. Uh, But things we do pay for. (laughs) Our Disney Plus subscriptions? It's our, yeah, no, I love how we're paying for it. And then we're, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure Disney's like, man, we feel really bad. This Geek and City Radio has given us a lot of free press. Let's help them out. Yeah, because they're thinking that. Yeah, um, okay. okay. But yeah, let's jump into the Bad Batch this week. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this uh, ish, this episode was titled Common Ground. And um, it's a little bit of a departure in terms of story arc. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we have, so we're coming right off of the heels of, you know, everyone almost nabbed Omega and got away with her. Right. Uh, and so now Hunter is being really cautious and they're about to be sent on a mission to rescue a senator who made a last minute decision to defy the new empire. Right. So they've, uh, so now he's on lockdown. They're going to go save that guy. Uh, and Hunter says, Omega, you can't come with us on this because the place is going to be just teeming with um, stormtroopers. These, these era one stormtroopers. Um, so she stays behind. There's a little bit of a B plot there uh, mm-hmm. with with Omega, uh, although I think it has some pretty significant elements. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, you know, Unit ninety nine. Go. Do you think they still call themselves that? Uh, I guess so because they don't refer to themselves as the Bad Batch, right? No, no I don't no, think so. No. Yep. Yeah, that's they probably a, still. Um. Although this episode might have them slowly changing what they call themselves as because, you know, a, a couple of uh, the Bad Batch had to come to terms with some of their own personal thoughts as to a separatist needing help. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's generally the bones of the issue of the episode here. I don't know which direction you guys want to go in first. Uh, well, let's talk about the whole kind of this is now the second time that these troops have kind of had to deal with a moral question about who are good guys, who are bad guys now, mm-hmm. you know, when basically Sid said like, you guys are mercenaries now, like you do the job. So you get paid. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. they're like, wait, we're risking our lives to help a separatist for that, to help the person that that's why there was a war. Yep. Although mm-hmm. one can argue that Palpatine manipulated the whole fucking war. Right. But, the they don't, did. but they don't know that. And also, they, uh, you know, tangentially, they have not really, they have not come to terms as a group or as individuals on how they feel about the new empire that Mm -hmm, replaced the republic that they served. Like, it's, it's, it's different, but it's the same. And they haven't really hashed out the particulars to decide whose side, if anybody, they want to be on in that, in that situation. Yeah. Uh, I did really like this kind of actually felt it gave a vibe of like an old school Clone Wars episode. And that is, here's the mission. Sneak in. Get get our target. Oh, shit. Things go wrong. Oh, shit. Things are getting even more wrong. Let's get crafty. We did it. And that's not a dig on it. I kind of liked. Sometimes you want that just kind of traditional plot of like mm-hmm. mission. Amp up, amp up, amp up denouement they did it and i i think that that that's by design since that's not that was not the point of the story correct the point of the story was for echo who of the of the batch of clone unit 99 he was the most vocally against the mission Mm -hmm. tech doesn't care because all tech cares about is data um, Wrecker just wants to blow things up right. and Hunter just wants to do the mission. Um, right. But like Echo and, and his former crew, you know, fighting separatists was very much on the forefront. Um, and, and, and Echo's the one who has been 
like literally the most scarred by the Clone Wars. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the, like the, the real story was for them to interact with this senator and have them go, wait, who, who are, like you were saying, who are the bad guys? Right. Uh, senator Old Man Bashir. I know. I was going to say Old Man Bashir is the senator. You know, I've, I didn't look at the credits, but I went, huh, I think that's Alexander Siddig. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Alexander Siddig. What's funny is while I was watching it, I was sharing a meme of Bashir talking to Garrick. Um, and then like a moment later, Christian's like, oh, that's that's him right there on on the TV. That's him talking right now. Right. <laughs> uh, so I don't know that. I mean, I, I, he probably would have told me anyway, but I wasn't looking for it. It just so happened. Right. Um, I found the scene where the Senator refuses to, like, he starts to give the speech. So like, we must welcome the empire and then he changes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was actually very effective and how chilling it felt that when they pull the Senator away, like the what is it the ATTEs, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just start to march on the people and the stormtroopers right like hold blasters on like civilians, mm-hmm. um, and that's I mean that's something we know in Star Wars, but we don't see it that often in more of their animated features because even though the Empire is you know a wholly evil fascist government, again it's for kids, so you gotta you gotta toe that line, and I think they did a pretty good job of it with that one. And see, I was thinking that this, uh, that, that part of this episode, uh, the overall art, that overall story of the episode was very reminiscent of, um, Clone Wars episodes because mm-hmm. they were a lot more political and there was a lot of like, you know, Ahsoka in her younger days being like very black and white about who is right and wrong, who's good and bad. And then sort of working her way through all of these gray areas uh, amongst the things that her leadership does. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um... But I think in a time where a lot of fascist movements are rising (laughs) up in a lot of different countries to counter protests, uh, more leftist groups that are, that have been, you know, vocal over the last couple of years uh it's it's a little chilling to, to see yeah and like hey one one guy in charge is like trying to do the right thing even if it is at the last moment and then like here come the troops yeah um and the almost pleasure that the imperial officer has um in, in, in giving that order kind of thing i i think that one you can interpret it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be. I interpret that as they're trying to get across to the viewer that while the Empire is doing this planet, you know, planet by planet, system wide throughout the old Republic. Right. Um, if the planet was a separatist planet, they already have the order of if they give you any guff, just start killing people. Yeah, mm. because they were on the wrong side of the war. So you, yes, they're part of the empire now, but we can just kill them if you need to. And yes, this comes directly from the emperor himself. Right. Like that. 
in my mind, it makes sense from a storytelling standpoint that that would be the the directive. They don't ever have to say it. They can just hint at it like a slightly gleeful imperial officer. It's like, oh, they're not going to do what we say. Cool, I can kill some people today. Yeah. Darn. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna get that that next lozenge on my my lozenge badge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my second red Ludens. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's pretty solid. And then, you know, we get back to Omega story where they are now dropping even more information about the vast knowledge that Omega has within her. Like tactics, Mm -hmm. how quickly she learns. Um, And I don't know, I... I'm slowly pulling away from her being force sensitive. I don't. I don't think she is because I think the reveal of last week of her being a being like uh, Boba, which means that uh, they could use her to extract genetic material that can be made used to make more clones. I can't. Um, I think that's the reveal. And not that she was a, a, a force sensitive prototype. Yeah, right. That that's how I feel too. Be, because it's just as significant a reveal to stories they're going to tell in this universe, having her be the sister to Boba Fett <laughs> that he has no idea exists. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Until she shows up on Book of Boba Fett this fall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And also, uh, to go back to something you guys talked about a little bit last week, I've been paying closer attention. It sounds weird, but to the actual, like, to Omega's actual, like, skin tone. Mm -hmm. She's not not pale white. No. Um, No, but she's definitely light. she She would look like she could be... Like Cable had mentioned, all they have to do is find a Hoppa actor to play mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And because she kind of looks like that a little bit in the show. They need to find a Hoppa actress that also resembles Timura Morrison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. They do that, they're set. Yeah. And they don't have to be like super close, but close enough. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, I, oh, I'm sorry. This is awful. They just need to look close enough that white people think they look like they're related. That's that's tr- sad, but true. Because most of them think all Asians look alike anyway. Aww. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I, I mean, sorry. what do you want? I'm laughing because I just, like, literally yesterday watched the app, the match episode, one of the poker ones where Pat Narita is playing poker with them. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about some, like, some officer. And they ask Pat Maria's character, like, you know who we're talking about, right? And he says, don't look at me. Y'all look the same to me. <laughs> I love those episodes because it's always Pat Maria's character and Sydney, the, the psychologist. They're always fun. <laughs> Sigmund. Anyway, a little mash digression there. Um, right. So, at first, so... We learn more about Omega's abilities yet again, but this time it sort of happens um, just by coincidence rather than because 
the mission called for a particular skill set. Mm-hmm. Right. She's stuck. She got she got left behind on this mission, and she's sulking about it as as any young person would. But especially when you've already been given an opportunity to feel like part of the team, and she has contributed. Um, <clears throat> and she also either doesn't want to be phased by what happened to her in the previous episode or actually is not phased by it either way. You know, she's like, she wants to keep doing what she's been doing. Right. Um, so it's, it's a big uh, disappointment to her to be left behind with Sid, but then th- that that's how she ends up playing. What is that game called? Just like the 3d. It's We've just always called it 3d chess. I don't think the jar. Oh, okay. found it already. Um, I knew if I scrolled Hi. a little further, I'm on. I've got a page up with with notes here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Sid starts playing Dejaric with some customers and is apparently not very good at it. Uh, and Omega volunteers a strategy and and she wins very quickly and they're annoyed. And she's <laughs> like, "It's just a strategy game. I happen to be very good at strategy." Um, Next thing you know, the Sid's bar is full of people, and it looks like a fucking derby day yeah. in there. But it's full on hustling. I love it. Yes, yep. I know. Uh, my D and D character would be so proud. Um, <laughs> yeah, there she's basically hustling a whole bar full of people at Dejaric. Um yeah. and that's right about the time that Hunter at all return from their mission and he is not pleased um which i think i think makes sense like he's he specifically asked her to keep a low profile because people are looking for her and they don't they don't fully know to like to what extent or like to what ends people are going to be willing to go to Mm -hmm. to get her they rescued her but they know it's probably not over um well and he's just I think it's that this hunter has just become incredibly protective of her. Mm-hmm. It's a hunter has definitely moved into the not just a father figure role, but feels like a father. He feels like a parent. Yeah, exactly. No yeah, one what, else. No one else is a caretaker or inclined to be a, ter- a caretaker for her in the same way. I think the closest you get is Wrecker, but that's more like a big brother. Yeah, he's one hundred percent his her big brother. Yeah, that's what he does. And the other two are just like cousins or uncles, like they're, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um. <coughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, Tech is going to be the aloof one that by the time that uh, Omega becomes an adult and like she has a conversation, it's like, yeah, I figured you just never cared about me. The you talked, it's like, I, oh. I believe that by letting you be competent and on your own, I was demonstrating exactly how I felt that you were more than capable of taking care of yourself, and I respected that. I didn't see that. You know what it totally reminded me of? Because I was was thinking that too, Cable. It reminded me of, of all things, the scene in Star Trek Beyond when both McCoy and Spock think they're going to die when the ships Mm -hmm. are coming in. Mm -hmm. And McCoy says some line of like, well, at least you'll be glad to get rid of me. And Spock says like, you know, Leonard, I've always respected you. I <laughs> I had assumed you felt that our, basically that our arguing was a sign of how I respected you. Yeah. You know. And then Bones is like, you don't need to say it, Spock. Don't, don't, don't make it weird. <laughs> um, so that was oh, kind of, yeah. That now was like, I want to watch Star Trek Beyond again. <laughs> oh, so good. We it should do a commentary of that movie. 
We should. Have we never? We haven't. Good God. We have only the show. We haven't done commentary on any Star Trek movie. Yeah. Only the shows. The show in general, this podcast has done one Trek commentary. We did Rathacon 13 years ago. It was still Film Fever Radio when we did that. Oh, Jesus. Okay. But that that doesn't even count then, you know? And it's wholly embarrassing because there was like eight of us, and by the end, we're all hammered, and there is not a dry eye. Yeah. There's just a lot of snot. In, in the last 10 minutes of that commentary. <laughs> um, we, should, right. we should do, but we can't start at Star Trek Beyond. We have to like do some early ones and then move into the modern ones. Who says? We make yeah. the rules. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we won't. Exactly. Fine. That's what I want. Okay. Okay. Very that's well. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like that's the right way to do it. <laughs> okay. Completionist. Well, then we, that means we do it as a uh, marathon. Oh, God. That's what you do. Oh, we're, we're, no. we're still talking about marathons. You keep talking about so. these marathons, dude. I'm like, no. <laughs> it exhausts me every time. It's like, no. Or it is exhausting. I mean, I think that's like the definition of marathon. I guess that's true. She's got us, Cable. She's beating sure. us with logic. <laughs> Hoist, petard, you guys. No! Gotcha. <laughs> um, so, so Hunter's not super pleased, but, you know, Omega very maturely states her case. She's like, look, you left me behind when I didn't want to be left behind, but I want to contribute. I'm not a little kid, like I keep saying. Oh, and by the way, you're out of debt now. You're welcome. I love yeah. that. That was the big, that was the kicker. As yeah. soon as she made that first move on the board and Sid is like, what? And Omega is nonplussed. I was like, okay, she's about to clear them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I think one of my, one of the tiniest bits of business in that whole scene was when the crew is coming back and they started interacting with Omega, Wrecker body checks Hunter and looks at him and he looks at him in a way that it's like that was not it's like you don't look at your commanding officer that way right but you look at your brother that way when it's like dude you fucked up fix this you were a dick yep and that was that was fantastic it was just that subtle he just body checks him and hunter's like what the oh yeah you're right right okay (laughs) yep yep i'm gonna fix this now and yeah. he does by then sitting down to to play 3D chess with her. Mm-hmm. And, and lose. you know she wins. Yes. Oh, for sure, absolutely. And you know that he also doesn't go easy on her. Like Hunter probably plays his best version of that game, and and Omega's and loses. Beat him. Yep. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah i I've said it. I've said it in previous episodes. I still really on board with the portrayal of Omega as um, a believable child and a believable character and a character full of their own agency and yet still having all of the the inexperience of being a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. But the confidence in all of her skill sets. <laughs> Uh, where did it go? Uh, Bex in the chat had mentioned, I appreciate Omega's confidence. She doesn't downplay what she's good at just because she's young. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that, that's very much in line with what you're saying. Um, yeah, she's not a little shithead. She's not a little know-it-all. Um, she's just, not, you know, comfortable saying, I'm, I understand this. You don't need to talk down to me. You don't need to over-explain it to me. And you don't need to treat me like a baby. Yeah, no, and it totally fits with her character. Because Omega sees herself as a member of the team. Mm-hmm. Hunter, I think, I think Hunter, until this episode... Caesar as just a child that he has to keep safe. Um, and his attitude, I think, will shift from here on. And Wrecker has seen her as part of the... Because if you remember the beginning of this episode, even Wrecker is kind of surprised, like, what do you mean we're leaving Omega behind? Like, he has that look of, like, she's a member of the team. What do you... I mean, it's weird for everyone because she's never been left behind before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that shows when Hunter, when they're in the field, tells her to go take position... With, you know, Echo. Oh, that's right. I almost forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, and Tex the one's like, that's going to be somewhat impossible since Omega isn't here. Right. Because yeah, you yeah. told her not to be here. And Hunter just is like, God damn it. Oh, man. I showed my whole hand. I showed my whole <laughs> hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the well, guy that doesn't forget anything and never lets me live it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's a solid episode, and we are now sliding into the the back six because that was ten. So we've only got eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 15. We got six left. Yep. And I'll bet that last episode is an hour long, just Maybe. like the pilot was. Oh, that's right. I oh, forgot. That's right. About I forgot that. about that. It was an hour. Yeah. Yeah. That that whole first episode was just chock full of. Oh, uh, so this is the show it's going to be. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. for, first we're going to, you know, show you the death of uh, Depa Bilaba in front of Caleb Doom. Right. And then a whole shit ton of Tarkin. <laughs> also, did you guys notice last week when you mentioned it, the Kaminan who was killed? I didn't. I didn't notice that, but I yeah, I it's, read it's, up it's on it. Boba's yeah, the one that he like looked at gave the impression attack of the clones was the one he kind of treated as like mom or big sister. Right. Interesting. Well, so. I mean, there are only three Kaminoans uh in the room where those decisions are happening. And there's the, the what is he, a chancellor, did we say? Prime Minister. Yep. Prime, Prime Minister. Minister. Um and then the other one is the one who is who worked with or raised or developed or maybe all of those things for Omega. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. I guess it's kind of weird that none of us ever thought about it, but until until then, right? I, I didn't re- remember the name. Mm. Like I, it wasn't until I, I like I saw it on the internet later. Someone pointed out it's like, oh, that's so and so from. Attack of the Clones. I'm like, well, of course it was. Yeah, I remember watching it in just that moment. I was like, well, that's harsh. They just, well, she's gone. Yep. Um, and then I think we'll move on to Loki here in a minute. But mm-hmm. one thing that's been kind of sitting in the back of my mind, and I have been very guilty of doing it also when it comes to Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Dave Filoni should, he should be given accolades and and for really kind of being a good shepherd for Star Wars lately. Mm-hmm. Um he doesn't write hardly any of these episodes. It's a it's a woman named Jennifer Corbett. Good to know. 
you'll see her. She's on the end credit. It always says The Bad Batch by Dave Filoni and Jennifer Corbett. He's the EP on it, but I do believe these are mainly written by her. Nice. That is good to know, because I'm a jerk and I don't pay attention to the credits, like, ever. I mean, like, I I guess I've never thought that it was always written. I didn't think it was always written by Dave Filoni or directed by Dave Filoni. I I think of Dave Filoni the way I think of Kevin Feige. Yeah. In that they're just there to kind of go, nope, move that a little to the left. Yep, there. Yeah. There you go. Now that's a Star Wars. Right. Mm -hmm. I assumed it was a writer's room. I mean, this is a whole other conversation. The way um, Hollywood has been kind of shifting how writers are credited and who gets a credit for an episode is a is a is a pretty big debate right now that's why you see a lot of writers now listed as producers it's a it's weird Mm. um and yeah and i honestly don't know enough to really dive into that kind of controversy yet but yeah there's some things going on so hey before we dive into loki this is a great chance to talk about our sponsors first up guardian games three four (laughs) three four five southeast taylor street in portland oregon as you, you know, already heard us talking about a little bit, there is a new magic set coming out this weekend um, called, I believe it's just called Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. So it has finally happened. The thing that nerds like me complained about, um, like when Unlimited came out, or I think, no, it was when Wizards bought TSR. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, oh no, you're going to merge D&D and make it all bad and horrible. Um, well... They they did, um, like 30 years later, and it's not all bad and horrible. It's so freaking cool. Uh, I've seen some of the cards. They are amazing. You can still uh, order your box sets or your boosters or whatever at Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Just go on in there and say, hey, I'd like to, you know, reserve a box or whatever. I'm sure they have tons of options because Guardian Games is there for you. 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon, Guardian Games. Uh... Oh, get that the fuck out of the way. <laughs> oh, I was holding that in for a while. <clears throat> Ooh, Which brings us to our next sponsor, Bridge City Comics. They're one of the city's finest comic book shops. You're uh, going to want to get there and uh, pick up all the great new books. Like, you know, we're you know talking about Loki and talking about Star Wars like all the time these days. Um, you know what? They all exist in comic book form. There are a bunch of fantastic Star Wars comics, some centered around the Clone Wars, some around the Galactic Civil War. Uh, the High Republic stuff is super cool. That's been coming out for the past few months. And then, you know, of course, there's always going to be a ton of uh, Loki characters. If you're curious about all the different Loki variants that you have seen over the past couple of episodes, go to Bridge City Comics. Every single one of them are based by somebody who has appeared... Uh, a, ver- a version of Loki has appeared in the comics one time or another. And if you just saw the most recent episode of Loki, the one that dropped this morning at like midnight, there is a cute little Easter egg that had me chuckling like crazy. I'm not going to say it here, but if you are a Loki slash Asgardian fan, you probably caught it. You can get the books that have that character in it. You can only get them. Well, you can't only get them at Bridge City Comics, but you should get them at Bridge City Comics. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland. And when you're in there, uh, thank Michael or anyone else who's working for being a longtime sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. It really means a lot when you tell our sponsors that. And then before we get back to it, 
As always, a huge shout out to Rebnats of Rebnats Hard Cider. That's the sound of an empty cider can um, in juggling in this microphone that we have, thanks to Rebnat, who has hooked us up with equipment so that we can continue to bring you fun content while, even though it's been lifted, uh, the three of us, due to other reasons, um, still have to record in our in different rooms. But hopefully one day we'll record all in the same room together again. But for now, huge shout out to Rebnat of Rebnat's Hard Cider for hooking us up. And now, let's get back to the show. Um, and speaking of things going on, uh, <laughs> the loosest transition ever. Well, I was gonna say, if you haven't seen Loki yet, I mean, you should, you should, uh, you know, you know, thanks for listening. We'll talk to y'all next week. Yeah. Cause there's no yes. way to not make these spoilers because, um, uh, Loki got pruned. Spoilers. Yep. <laughs> now we, now we can go back into start talking. <laughs> Just pull the band aid. Loki yeah. and Mobius pruned. I was more surprised about Mobius getting pruned than than Loki getting pruned. I w- there was something about the the fight, the choreography of, of the fight went. Oh yeah, Lo- Loki's not making out of this. Sylvia yeah, is, but Loki's I kind of, not. It was I so unceremonious. Uh-huh. I kind of figured around episode two that Mobius was not going to survive the whole series, and I was with you, Cable. I was like, Loki will survive. Loki's, but yeah, I watched that fight. And when she goes down and Loki goes, turns her back, turns his back and starts talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, we just saw her, him knock her down. Like, yep. I wasn't sure it was going to be a pruning. I thought she was going to, like, ram a sword through his chest or it was going to be something else. I didn't expect a pruning. But I remember thinking, like, oh, this is good fight scene. This has been so blatantly telegraphed that something's coming. <laughs> The more I think about it, the more that they have telegraphed a lot of yeah. this show, and yet it still manages to be a surprise. Right. Somehow. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. what. Like, everything leading up to this episode has told us that the timekeepers are not what they appear to be. Mm-hmm. And the minute, like when we were sitting watching it um, as soon as that scene came up and they, the doors open and they go into the room and they're the timekeepers. I, I said aloud, I just couldn't help it. Mark just looked at me. I'm like, Oh, it's the wizard of Oz. I know. <laughs> it's like, this is, yeah, this is 100% totally the wizard is. of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. I, all I thought was like, and I, yeah, the same thing. I'm like, boy, do these things look janky. These are mm-hmm. not these immortal beings. They're Okay. Oh yeah, once once they go into the room, you're like, oh yeah, that's that's not real. They yeah. are they are um they're the Hall of Presidents at Disneyland. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they're animatronics. Hi, dog. Um and not unlike some real presidents, empty inside. That's it, true. Yes. But what this before we dive into the episode more, you know what this also means that all TVA agents were once humans that have been altered? Yes. Uh, what that all really means is that Casey really could have been Pillboy. <laughs> I don't get the reference. I'm it's sorry. The good place again. Oh, I haven't yeah. finished that. <laughs> I mean, presumably, you get some personality restructuring done when you join the TVA too. Yeah, so, I think you. Yeah. I think you get a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. But like with with Casey, it. it 
there's a little bit left behind, you know? Oh, yeah. So, that, some that of the former, there. you have to have, they all have individual personalities. So clearly some of the former self is still we'll, there. We'll know it's true if he gets awakened and the first thing he does is throws a Molotov cocktail to make his situation <laughs> better because his Molotov cocktail makes everything better. It doesn't make everything better. It just gives him a new a problem. A new problem. That's right. That's, that when I have correct. a problem, I throw a Molotov cocktail in it, and then I have a different problem. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it so much. <laughs> I think I'm going to watch that again. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so what do you guys think about Renslayer? Do you think she's um, working for somebody else, or do you think she is, quote, the big bad? No, no. She uh, Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she could be, like, the, the 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 top of that pyramid but we've we just learned in that same episode that at one point she was a hunter uh and, and then that's sort of like why she's so hardcore about going after this variant is because sylvie got away from her back in the day right when she was so, a kid right so at some so at some point she was lower down uh on a lower rung than she is now and has since worked her way up um but does that mean she is the top? I don't, I doubt it. <laughs> it's a lot of power in the TVA. And yeah, I expect uh, that uh, uh, the people holding the reins, the individuals holding the reins are probably not human, even though they're clearly sourcing humans to, to do their bidding. Specifically right. variants. They're, they're yeah. taking oh, yeah, other no. variants in. I'm sorry, um, that wasn't even accurate because Loki's not a human. Right. Um, I I don't think that Renslayer is the big bad. I don't think she knows who the timekeepers is are either. I don't think she really knows who's in charge of the TVA. I do have a theory as to who that is. Oh, yes? It's another goddamn Loki. Oh my <laughs> god. Uh, because I'm going to be so mad if you're right. I think it's Loki because one of the things that Loki has wanted to do is to prove himself the superior Loki over the variant Loki, which is Sylvie. What better way to lord over all Lokis that you are the best Loki than to out-Loki Loki by creating the TVA? That is a long game. Yes. Yep. It sort of helps to explain why when Loki wakes back up, he is surrounded by other Lokis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I I don't think that any time a variant gets pruned, other versions of themselves are just standing there waiting around for you. Yeah, you you don't go to variant heaven. You just don't exist. To be immediately greeted by your other variants. Yeah. No, that's that's weird. Yep. No purpose to that. Right. Uh, I loved the fact that one of the um, those variants was good old classic 1960s uh, skull cap Loki. God so damn. good. And it's played <laughs> by Richard E. Grant. Yes. Yes. Who, like, yeah, he's kind of already Loki. <laughs> hey, yeah. And um, already under contract with Disney. Uh, I read a I read a, a breakdown of that scene and that his suit looks the most beat up, suggesting he is the variant who has been here the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, no, it was page open for that. It was really great. Uh, kid, I, every time I see Kid Loki, I smile. Just makes me happy. Yep. Um, that That's is now the- our that is now our fourth Young Avengers reference. Hmm. So they couldn't telegraph that shit any harder if they tried to. Oh, they, I don't think they're hiding it. Anymore. No, they know they're doing it. Yeah, they've said they're doing Young Avengers. Yeah, because America Chavez is showing up in. Is it Spider-Man or... Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Doctor Strange. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye has their own show. Right. Uh, I suspect that um, Cassie will have her debut uh, in the next Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. Right. Well, Along that's with it. the Fantastic Four. Right. Well, you still need Hulkling, right? That's true. Who you could get in Secret Invasion. Yes, you could. Yep. Because he's a he's a scroll, right? Yes, he is. Yep. I, for one, can't you know, wait for Young Avengers. If it's even a fraction as good as the comic was, I'm going to be so damn happy. I love that comic so much. Yeah. It's a good comic. Yeah. Yeah. Avengers Academy was beautiful. <clears throat> Yep. Yeah, anyway. yeah, you should read. I'll find them for you, Bean. You'll, you'd like them. Like I, uh, I, I kind of like. I was theorizing. Was I saying this last week that I was theorizing that uh, um, I feel that by the end of this series, we were like the Loki that we have known will get pruned, and his or not pruned, but like the timekeepers would go. Here's your reward, and his reward is getting turned into Kid Loki, so that they have a kid Loki to continue on and Tom Hiddleston can presumably take on other roles or direct. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, That that ties in with, you know, just the various MCU actors sort of retiring out of, out of being in the MCU. mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I want the fourth guy. uh, Yeah. I mean, that was a, that's the one thing that I kind of like about the MCU is that it forces legacy characters as mm-hmm. opposed to comics that will like, no matter what happens, Tony Stark's always going to end up back in the suit one day. Yep. Thor or the son's always going to get the hand. Like they're just, that is the nature. Even if the character starts to age out, they can just reboot the, the franchise. Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of modern comics. And again, that's a whole nother, you know, discussion of whether that should change. But the, when you're you, the fact that you're using like, you know, humans forces your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's a lot of interesting storytelling potential there, because then you do have people that are having to deal with legacies, good and bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I think that that we're gonna get that with uh, the Black Widow movie. Now that mm-hmm. that drops this weekend. That's this Friday. Finally, yeah. now oh. third time to charm of us saying, "Is it Friday? It is Friday." <laughs> yes, it is. The I night. might go see that in the theater. Hmm. Not yet given thought to going to a movie again. Um, I'm. I'm a little more reticent. Um, I wouldn't have been if Portland collectively hadn't just gone cool everything's over right we can go back to normal it's like Jesus yeah. it, uh, like they like 
2020 never happened. Yeah. I think the one thing that will help me go to back to a theater if I do see this is that as a rule, um, thankfully because of working from home, um, I'll go see a matinee at 11.30 in the morning. That's fair. Where even during pre-pandemic, there was 10 people in that theater. Right. <laughs> I'd have a whole row and I was like, awesome. You know? Oh, man. See, that's why going back to work sucks. I'm still working. I just give myself a long <laughs> lunch break. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't do a matinee either these days. No, I mean, weekend ones are, if you go early enough, they're still not that bad. That's Even, true. you know. Yeah. Go go during church hours. Yep. That's a good idea. Um, um, I'm trying to think about what else, like, I mean, this was the episode where, like, you see, like, the, I feel like the real growth in, in Loki. Um, it's the first time Loki honestly is thinking about someone else and not just himself. He's legitimately worried about Sylvie. Mm-hmm. You know. Which is after admitting the fact that, that having the the realization that he is a narcissist, which that's a difficult step to take as a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Of, of all of the of all of the messed up things that people people can be or do, admitting you're a narcissist is is so antithetical to being a, a narcissist. narcissist. That's yep. true. Yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. If you're an alcoholic, it's hard to admit I'm an alcoholic. I need help. But I think, I, I, yeah, I yes. <laughs> Like, to some but, degree, but, I trust sociopaths more than I trust narcissists. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that when an alcoholic, it, when they start to get to that stage, they know they have done something wrong. By definition, a narcissist just can't accept that fact. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible because mm-hmm. I'm me. So for them to make that step, that is a huge step. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also appreciate Loki telling Mobius that he's still mad at him. He's like, why? Because I lied to you about your girlfriend? He's like, no, no, that I respect. <laughs> that was Loki game recognizing game. Like, no, no, that that was fine. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of this, about narcissism and because uh, I killed your girlfriend or lied about your girlfriend. Um, so Mobius obviously is in, insinuating that like he's in love with with himself basically uh, because he, and like wow man yeah that is some real narcissist shit but even even like the wikipedia entry for this episode says that loki and sylvie were having a romantic moment which is i don't know how they got that they got that's what got them on the radar for the tva to find them and pull them off that planet uh lamentus before before it was imploded um I didn't really, I, I'm having a hard time believing that they are, in fact, having romantic feelings for each other. I 100% got that they were having romantic feelings for one another. Because that was... so easy. I don't think it is. Please, please finish your thought. Um, I, I think it's... 
I don't think it's if you take it as they are just a male and female character, yes, they are they would trauma bond like any other female male and female character put in that situation. These are two beings that are the same person from different parallel universes and different timelines. So it's akin to, there are people that um, if you say, what would you do if you cloned yourself and there's a percentage of people that go, oh, I'd immediately fuck myself because I'm hot. Oh, no, that's a total trope. Uh, my um, favorite is Broad City. But I, I, I do think that the... I think the ramifications of it are still yet to be revealed. But yes, they were going somewhere with... I think Aaron touched on it too, where Loki feels something for someone else that's not himself. And yet at the same time, it is. It is. <laughs> Right. It's still right. it's still him, but he that starts touching on acceptance of yourself and acceptance of self love, and which is different from narcissism. Yes, yeah, and that they're starting to say that accepting who you are and loving yourself is the way to change and reshape the universe. Aw. Yeah. Um, well, when you put it that way. <laughs> I, I think there is something of a romantic bent to that. It, uh, not it, not necessarily in the classic sense of uh, couples getting together a romantic, but a romanticized ideal. So, man. Yeah. I, Okay. I I just figured the TVA saw that giant spike because it was two variants touching, which just showed more power. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it any also, emotional thing as what triggered the spike. It was just they just they went like that, and the system went two variants at the same spot, mm. kind of thing. I mean, that we're also about to make out. Emotion well, is emotions is what brought Wanda into like her peak power, power she did not even know she had. Mm-hmm. So. Not the first time that they've toyed around with this this concept. <laughs> That's true. The way you've broken it t- down, Cable, makes it a lot more valid as a storytelling mechanism to me. Then I'm just like, all right, you put a dude and a guy, a, 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 a guy. You put two people who are capable of being sexually attracted with each other in the same room, and it's going to happen. I'm like, that's that's so basic. I like how Vex in the chat just said. He actually just fucks himself, and that's how the universe spins out and gives us the what if series. <laughs> that, that's what I laughed at. I oh, saw yeah. that pop up, and I'm like, "That's fantastic!" Oh no, I'm like missing the chat here. Nicely done, Bex. Um, I I did want to uh, share what Norm wrote, um, what he's thinking. So I'm just going to read this verbatim because it'll yeah. be easier uh, if I can get that page to work. <sighs> Man, I think that this episode of Loki did something to me. I brought forth an idea about what the meta of the show is, and I think it's coming to terms with sexuality and religion. Loki comes to terms with what he is in this show, and the TVA stands in for religion. I mean, 
it's, that's very close to what you were saying, Cable. Mm-hmm. And if it is, if it is more about sexuality versus like self love and like self respect and acknowledgement, even then, like it's something that, if that's what it is, they've been hinting at it. Like you know, to uh, all the way going all the way back to the first episode with the forums, like gender fluid, mm-hmm. something that has never been broached or mentioned in the MCU prior to this. Mm-hmm. And and then yeah, the idea of being physically attracted to someone who is basically you, whether it's the same gender or not, or your alligator self, what have you. <laughs> um, yeah, I I like where this is going. Yeah, I'm definitely, and we've only got two episodes left. Right? Yeah, we got two left. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's been a. A coworker shared with me a TikTok mm-hmm. that wanted to has postulated another theory, and so I'm going to bring hers forth. She's like, "Okay, there's six episodes of Loki. There are six Infinity Stones. The first episode is was very much orange, which represents I don't remember which one it represents. I don't remember either. Uh, I um, think orange was the Soul Gem." Yes, which, and then the episode dealt with a lot of soul surging. Right. Um, the second episode is heavily red, where which is reality st- or which is the reality stone, and then mm-hmm. dealt with Loki questioning his reality a lot. Um, the next one was purple. That's when they're uh, he and Sylvia are on the the planet together. Everything is purple, which is the power stone. And it's the power dynamics between the two. They are literally looking for a power source. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode four the, is gold or yellow. Which, is, which the mind. is the mind stone. And Loki changes the mind of Mobius about what the TVA is. Mm. It's like... Interesting. Ooh, okay. Also, <laughs> so I want to... Time... <laughs> time and space i'm in space so yeah. green Let's and say, blue going back yeah. to episode three the 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 power stone is purple purple can give like a purple lighting can cast off a little bit blue and a little bit pinkish at times depending on angles and how much light there is mm-hmm. and that's that style of lighting that's like bluish pink purple sort of fluid uh is referred to frequently as bisexual lighting yes yes it that, is. the inability to sit normal in the chair what? You've never heard that joke that you can always tell bisexual can't sit in chairs. They can't sit in chairs normally. You'll see them like put one leg over the arm or they'll like lay down on a back. I don't own that. I, I sorry, they got to take it. <laughs> okay. What you get? Fine. Too I've bad. never identified as bisexual, but man, I have sat in some chairs weird. Mm-hmm. So Take that with what you will. That, that's why I'm like, I don't think that that belongs to them. Yep, it does. Kind of. <laughs> it kind of does. Um, also, again, I have never sat down and addressed it because I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm in this little loop. But I'm like, yeah, okay. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't make it a thing, but I don't wouldn't pigeonhole my sexuality either, so. 
My favorite is still the one that this person redesigned the bisexual bride colors to like it's like a like it's like a slightly kind of like magenta. The other one's like a salmon. Mainly and the because color code. the color code spells dick sixty nine and boob sixty nine. I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, uh, Norm in the chat is also mentioning the the thing about didn't Loki have sexy time with a horse? He did. Uh, Banged a horse. What? The, what I not understand, in the comics in no, Norse mythology. In North mythology, in, yeah. So yeah. like like the real Loki, I guess. Uh, but it wasn't just sexy times with a horse. From what I've read. It's that Loki turns himself into a female horse, then gets fucked by a male horse, and thus becomes pregnant with a baby horse. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's any horse, normal horse. I do believe it is Odin's horse. Yep. Slepner. Slepner, the eight-legged horse. Okay, now it's weird. Oh, yeah. Because it's your dad's horse. Now it's weird? Yeah, because it's your dad's horse. Not his real dad. There are still, you know, there, there should be more of a barrier there. Don't fuck your dad's horse. It, it, no, it, no. It, there's, there's some no, weird, weird no. subtext there that he I He didn't don't... fuck his dad's horse. He gave birth to his dad's horse. Yeah. That's what oh, I meant to say. Oh, Sorry. the baby horse that comes out of her, him, her horse, Them. Loki. Them. Them horse Loki. Um, <laughs> horse Loki. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the purple episode was also the episode where they dealt with the fact that He's more pan and bisexual and gender fluid than we have ever been led to believe in the other episode. The other, yeah, I, yeah, they, they don't touch on it at all, which nope. almost feels like like the show is sort of retconning the in a way. Um, but I'm just, fine with it. I'm fine I just with don't it. think it was ever brought up before, and it wasn't. And if it's that, not appropriate to the situation, then it's then it's weird. Then it actually becomes pandering when you specifically bring out someone's sexuality when it has nothing yep. to do with the story. Right. Plus, if you bring out his sexuality in Avengers, say, then you're making the bisexual the villain. Yeah, that happens a lot. Mm. Which is a trope that is bullshit. Yes. Wait, what are other examples of the bisexual being the villain? Bisexuals or queers in general being villains? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot. I'm like, I can't Empress, think of a Empress single Giorgio. example. Yep. Well, that, I don't think that that counts because she's from the mirror universe and everyone's pretty open yeah, but she, in that universe. But she extra evil for even the mirror universe. Yep. Um, the Bond villain in Skyfall? Yep. Um, I, I could go on a little bit more. Skyfall was, um, or am I thinking of the one before Skyfall? The Javier Bardem. The Javier, Bar- yeah, no, Javier you're, Bardem. You're right, Javier Bardem. That was Skyfall, right? Yeah, that's a stupid. It was a horrible Bond movie. Um, hi, Sleepy Dog. Is that the one where where Bond gets tortured in the seatless chair? No, that that was uh, Casino, Casino Royale. Royale. Mm. That was Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, who was definitely portrayed as straight, but he's Mad Mickelson. He's right. yeah, and, and Mad like, Mickelson's sexuality is Mads Mickelson. Yes, yes. Skyfall's gender is Mads Mickelson. Yes, Skyfall is the one that becomes Home Alone. Literally mm-hmm. becomes Home Alone, um, and they kill Judy Dench. Yeah, although right. apparently in the original script it wasn't 
Skyfall is basically where like that. So Skyfall, I guess at one time was going to actually be the time where they admit that the moniker 007 is given the name of James Bond. Um, and that if they survive long enough, they get to retire to this lovely country home in the North. And he turned it down, but the old man in the house that's of Skyfall was originally written to be Sean Connery. Hmm. And he said he didn't want to do it. So they, they the so they changed the, they changed the story. He uh, was pretty old and beat by the time okay. he was kind of done doing anything. Yeah. So well, that's fair. Anyway, Timothy Dalton still would have done it. I'm like, oh, yeah, he he wasn't the, he's not the only former Bond. No. But he's the Bond if you show him people will lose their minds. I would Timmy Dog would I think dope. it depends. I I really think it depends on the person. Yep. I would have lost it if they had done Roger Moore. He definitely was in no position to act by then. Yeah. Not losing it for any of those guys. I don't care. That's fine. Uh anyway, this episode of Loki was really good. Yes. Yes, it was. I can't wait to see where how it ends. I think this is like I have seen a lot of people dislike this show as much as I've seen people like it. There's no real middle ground on this one. No, there's not. I I appreciate, uh, I think the more unique dislike for this show comes from a friend and former castmate, Adam Roscoe. Mm -hmm. He had a visceral negative reaction to the look of the TVA in the first episode where he's like, I can smell this set. I cannot watch this show. All right, it, so he hates the seventies. It, it was not the show's he, fault, but sort of it is. Like they've chosen brutalist architecture for the show to represent the mediocrity of the bureaucracy that the TVA is. Um, and he just immediately associated that with like grade school. I'm like, I, I. It's like, at some point, maybe I will watch this, but I cannot right now. Right. Wow, um, which, fortunately, uh, uh, another friend went, go watch Legion. <laughs> it's a lot of the same, what the fuck? And with <laughs> other, with a different kind of weird architecture. And palette and stuff. Also, yeah. if you haven't... Yeah, and if you haven't watched Legion... Go watch Legion because that's some fucked up shit. I only ever watched the first season, and I know there's another one out that I never saw. So at this point, I just have to watch it all. I don't have to watch it all over again. (laughs) The first season came out like four years ago, five years ago. It's hard to tell. You know, 2020 was 16 years long, so that's true. But by the time I realized that there was a second season of Legion, I did not jump on it because so much time had passed that I'm like. Yeah, my my feelings have since dissipated. No, that's not a, a that's not a chastisement of the show. It's just how my brain is. Right. If I go if I go too long between one installment and the next, it's it's gone. I I have to start over again or never at all. Yep. No, I'm <laughs> I'm at the same point when I go to rewatch Legion. I'm going to have to watch, start at the beginning, which is fine. It, they're short seasons. It's like ten episodes a season. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. They that, do the BBC model and not the American. Well, we have to do this for half a year. <laughs> I mean, that's slowly starting to go away, but yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> it, I, I think we're getting better television out of it. It's like, oh, 
here's your budget. You can either have six really great episodes or, you know, 13 really good episodes. Out of 25. Or, you know, 26 mediocre episodes. It's like, yeah, I think we'll we'll go to 13. And others (laughs) will go, oh, no, we're doing six. Mm. We got the six shit in six. Thanks, Game Um, of Thrones. Quick little sidebar on other television shows. Did either of you ever watch the show Miracle Workers? No. I have not. What it's is it? pretty fucking hilarious. So it's based on some satirical religious writing that came out a, a few years ago. That's a Daniel so, Radcliffe, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he plays a low-level angel that has to answer everyone's... That's to deal with prayers because God has decided to check out to do his favorite hobbies. God is played by <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, season one... Uh, it's kind of just a generic medieval timeline. Season two, which by the way, they're not always perfectly connected. Season two is just called the Dark Ages when things are just fucking awful. But they're jumping ahead for season three. It's literally called Miracle Workers, The Oregon Trail. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of pumped for what they're going to do. If you have time, it's on H- seasons one and two on HBO Max right now. It's <laughs> It's very bizarre and it's pretty damn great. Yeah, but, I just thought it was a medieval times show. No, oh no, yeah. No. The, the the concept of the show got me, and then it's like, oh, and it's Daniel Radcliffe and Steve Buscemi. I'm like, cool. Yeah, like I will go out of my way to watch things Radcliffe is in because the so dude fun. wants to. Do, it's like I'm. I was Harry fucking Potter for twelve years, and I now I'm going to get weird with it. It's like I can do whatever I want. Well, that's. Him and Elijah Wood, they got Hobbit mm-hmm. and Potter money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Elijah Wood just, he produces like some of these great movies we've been watching. Yes, Radcliffe's doing the same thing. Well, what's funny is Elijah Wood was famous before uh, the Lord of the Rings stuff. He'd oh, been yeah. acting already for years. Uh, I mean, so was Sean Astin. But uh, like it, that movie raised their profile. It, yeah. From, it, it gave him a renaissance moment yeah. uh, for Sean Astin. They they went from, oh, they're solid B actors to, oh, oh. Yeah. Like Radcliffe did the Dead Guy movie, which I love. Uh, oh, Swiss yeah. Army Man? The Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man. I love yeah. that movie. Uh, then either of, you, do you ever, either of you watch Guns Akimbo? Yes. I haven't yet. I, okay, well, I you will love it. <laughs> I figure so as much. You will especially love the ending. That's all I'll say. It, cool. Yeah. It's it's very solid, yeah. And speaking of other movies that we've talked about, um, Gunpowder Milkshake hits Netflix next Friday. Shit, really? Yeah. Oh man! And it's it's a Netflix release. It's not a yeah. theater release. So I I'm even more excited. I'm like I can watch it and not leave home. Hey. And I think I'm trying to also find out is when the Green Knight debuts here. Oh right. We've got to be coming up on it. I think it debuted in Russia uh, last year. It's got to be soon. Oh, July 31st. I just looked up on their own there you website. Go. Less than a month away. Yeah, I'm super pumped for that movie, which I do believe is one of Elijah Wood's. I think A24 is his company. I could be yes. wrong. A24? Huh. Yeah. I think it is. I, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Um, but I could have sworn that it is his company or he owns part of it. If only we no, could check. Well, internet, you're not being super helpful right now.
By the way, if you ever go to A24's film's website, they have all kinds of weird shit for sale. Yeah, they, they do a lot of merch. I um, Make sure it's paid internship kids. And like walking down the street and saw someone who had like the most amazing uh, shirt for Hereditary. Yeah, well, they put out a role-playing game for Green Knight that looks like an old-school 80s D&D box set. Hmm. And then they put out their scripts in these gorgeous hardcovers. Um. I forgot A24 is Redditary, Moonlight, The Witch, uh, Ex Machina, Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ex Machina. I know. I always say it differently because in my head when I say Ex, Ex Machina, I always think the comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just where my brain always goes. Um, yeah, there you go. I think that's a show. They are working on the show, but they wouldn't be putting a script out already if the show was not done. No, I mean, I, I meant us. I think. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's a show because now I'm literally just looking at this place's website and they're they're putting out a book that collects art grade like really, really nice photographs of this is so dumb. I'm super into it. Uh, images of carpets from um, theaters in the 1980s when they were all those weird <laughs> neon things. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'd read, I'd, I'd look at that book. I'd own that book. Yep. Nice. Well, since we've hit the stage where we are, I am talking about the carpets in a theater. Maybe it's time to end the show. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Benarita. And I'm Cable Hushtani. We will talk to everybody next week. Don't go changing. Don't know why I said that. Okay. Uh, really weird right now. I know. I've been gone two weeks. I had to get back into it.